Ever felt like you're constantly on the defensive for holding pro-life beliefs? Well, it's time to join the offense. It is insanely more difficult to hold a coherent pro-choice position than a pro-life one. Because the pro-choice position is based on fantasies, pro-life individuals can ask well-formulated questions to cut through pro-choice ideology and expose the moral bankruptcy of their position. We'll examine 10 questions you can ask pro-choice advocates in this episode. Grab your notepad. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to Unaborted. Thanks for tuning in today. Hey, this is a fun episode because listen, you're pro-life, you care about defending babies, but sometimes you don't really know how to engage with this pro-abortion culture that says shout your abortion and labels you some type of bigot for simply saying, can we not kill babies? And pro-lifers have often been forced onto the defense for their positions by being asked seemingly hard questions by pro-abortion advocates. So it's time for us to begin asking hard questions of pro-abortion advocates because they do indeed hold a indefensible position. And so we can formulate questions that cut right through pro-choice ideology and expose the moral bankruptcy of the abortion juggernaut. But first, if you want to help us expand the reach and impact of this show, can you just head on over to iTunes podcast right now if you're listening there and just click the five-star rating or any other platform that you listen that enables you to leave a rating and review and just do that really quickly for us because that actually helps us reach more people and it helps us be recognized on a larger platform. So head on over and give us a review and rating wherever you listen. So this idea of asking very clear formulated questions is a very important tool in engaging in conversations on the issue of abortion. And it's based on the art of asking good questions, right? This is called the Socratic method. It's a very old and ancient method of engaging in conversations and with ideas. And Socrates was famous for his ability to formulate very specific questions to drive the dialogue through and to point out the fallacies and the inconsistencies that many of his ideological opponents were committing. And the goal here is not dominance, right? The goal here is not to make your pro-choice friend Uh, look stupid. The goal is truth. The goal is getting after truth and following the common master wherever he leads. The common master being reason, following the reason of the argument wherever it leads. And so asking good questions can expose assumptions and can reveal inconsistencies or ideological consequences of a certain position. And that's what asking good questions is all about. So these 10 questions are intended to show that your critic must pay too too high a price to continue holding his view, right? We talked about this last episode about the consequences of your worldview being consequences you don't like and exposing those consequences so you reject your worldview to create cognitive dissonance in the minds of your pro-choice friends. So let's look at the first question. Let's jump right into this. In 2002 in California, Scott Peterson murdered his pregnant wife, Lacey, and was charged with two counts of murder and is now on death row. Okay, that's the context. Here's the question for your pro-choice friend. Why was it not okay for Scott Peterson to kill his unborn child, but would have been perfectly fine had Lacey wanted to? He's being charged with double homicide. Everyone agrees that he should be charged with double homicide. He murdered his wife, who, by the way, was pregnant with an eight-month-old baby, eight months in utero. 
he murdered them both and in i believe in modesto area and then he threw their bodies into the san francisco bay and she was found like three weeks later okay so why was it wrong for scott peterson to kill his unborn child but would have been perfectly fine had Lacey wanted to at the same stage of development that that baby was at and this is the idea this is this is the contradiction of double homicide right in the abortion debate why do we charge someone with double homicide for killing a pregnant woman but if she wants to kill that same child it's perfectly fine (laughs) so this gets to the idea of human value being based on wantedness. This is going to be your pro-choice friend's response to this question, probably. They're going to say, well, she wanted the baby. That wasn't Lacey's choice. But no, that's besides the point. Because if the baby is not a baby, it's not a person and doesn't have rights, and abortion really is no different than a root canal, like was recently said in the Shout Your Abortion videos, then what's wrong with ever killing that baby? If they're not a person, it would never be wrong ever if it's not a person with rights. So why shouldn't we charge Scott Peterson with just a single murder of his wife? And they, oh, see, now they're forced to acknowledge their inconsistency in the two different cases by acknowledging that the unborn child is actually a child with some level of moral worth because it was wrong for Scott to take that child's life, but would have been fine had Lacey wanted to. Because they're basing human value on wantedness. Because she wanted the baby, it had value. And so it was wrong for Scott to kill the baby. But if she didn't want the baby and she wanted to go kill it herself through a physician, that would have been fine. So what's the standard for human value? And I think we all agree it shouldn't be based on wantedness because many homeless people aren't wanted. But what pro-choice person is going to say, hey, let's round them all up and kill them? Okay, it's a bad idea to base human value on wantedness. But if you do... This is the kind of consequences you're left with. So there's a good first question for a pro-choice individual. The second question is based on this idea of gender side, right? Which is very, which should concern anyone, killing people based on their gender. So many women in China, in India, are deliberately having ultrasonography examinations for the purpose of identifying and eliminating unwanted female fetuses. So this is gender side. You're, you're only killing them because they're female. You're identifying that they're female beforehand and then using that information to justify your abortion. Okay, here's the question for your pro-choice friend. Since you claim to be an advocate of women's rights and have acknowledged that the unborn is a human being, do you have any problem with this? What's wrong with intentionally weeding out females because they're female? Who cares if they're unborn, right? Who cares? If it's okay to kill people based on their gender, then let's kill them. Now, nobody likes the idea of this, right? Whoa, gender side? Killing people based on their gender? Isn't that discrimination? Yeah, it's the worst form of discrimination that ends with dead little girls. And any, any rational and consistent feminist would have to oppose this because they believe female lives matter. <laughs> well, female lives matter should begin from the beginning that those human beings are female. So notice what this question does. It traps them in not looking good either way. And it's not in order to do that. It's because truth has an annoying tendency of reasserting itself in our lives. So this question reasserts truth into this fantasy of pro-choice ideology so that if they say yes or no, their either question makes them look kind of a moral monster, right? So if they say, um, no, I have no problem with this. I have no problem intentionally weeding out unborn females because they're females. They look like a moral monster, But if they say, yes, I have a problem with this, 
then they're acknowledging that the unborn child has some level of moral worth. Because if it was just like a polyp, if the unborn is like a polyp, then obviously you wouldn't have a problem with this. So by saying you have a problem with this, you're saying that the unborn has some level of moral worth such that it would be wrong to kill them based on their gender. Well, if there's something wrong with it, then why are you supporting any abortions at all if the unborn child has some level of moral worth? So basically, are you a consistent feminist or are you a fake feminist? That's the real question here. So that's, a, that's the second great question you can ask pro-choice individuals is if they have any problem with gender side, as long as you're killing unborn people for their gender. <clears throat> the third question has to do with how the unborn differs from us, right? This is a really good question because every argument for abortion typically points out a difference between the unborn and born people and says, because the unborn child differs from us in these ways, it's okay to kill them. So here's the question. What is the fundamental difference between the unborn human and the newborn human that leads you to believe that women should have the choice to end the life of their unborn offspring, but not their newborn offspring? See? What's the fundamental difference between being an unborn person and a born person that leads you to support the killing of unborn people, but not newborn people? What is that fundamental difference? Because as it turns out, the unborn differs from us in much the same ways that we differ from one another. So any way they answer this question is going to trap them with ideological consequences they won't be comfortable with. So let me show you what I mean. <clears throat> okay, so what's the fundamental difference between an unborn person and a born person <clears throat> that leads you to support the killing of unborn people? Okay, so they might say, well, um, brain activity, brain activity. That shows that the unborn child has, has moral worth. That's the main difference. And once they have brain activity, you can kill them. Or well, you can't kill them once they have brain activity. Okay, very well. Well, what about people in a coma with no registered brain activity? Is, that, is it okay to kill them because they don't have brain activity? And they say, no. You see, there's always consequences. Any, <clears throat> any line you draw or difference you point out between unborn people and born people will be a false line that could equally be used to justify the killing of born people that don't meet that same criteria you just came up with. So because the unborn differs from us in much the same ways that we differ from one another, any difference you use to justify abortion will be a difference that could be used to justify killing born people. And that's the consequence. Again, the goal is not dominance here. The goal is to get at truth. And truth asserts itself pretty clearly through these questions that should leave your pro-choice friend feeling fairly uncomfortable. So that's the third question. The fourth one has to do <clears throat> with the issue of Down syndrome and abortion, which is a tragedy in the abortion debate, how many babies are killed for being diagnosed with Down syndrome. So let's set the context here. A 2007 New York Times article reported that the majority of unborn children, 90% according to some studies, diagnosed with Down syndrome through genetic testing are aborted. That's unreal. 90% according to some studies of babies diagnosed with Down syndrome are killed for having Down syndrome. Here's the question. Do you have any problem with this, given its similarity with the eugenics movement? You know, the slow and deliberate elimination of those our society deems unfit to live. If they say, no, I don't have any problem with that, they just asserted themselves as an advocate, a defender of eugenics. If they say, yes, I have some problem with that, again, the only reason it makes sense to have some problem with that is if the unborn child has some type of moral worth. <laughs> 
Otherwise, it's silly to say, yes, I have a problem with that. But according to your pro-choice friend's own ideology, the unborn child is not a person with rights whatsoever. So why have a problem with this? You see, these questions are designed to get to truth, to get to reality, by forcing them to come to terms with the consequences of their position. If you don't like the consequences of your position, abandon your position. Don't blame it on your ideological opponents. So is human value intrinsic or instrumental? Is it intrinsic in virtue of being a human being, in which case it doesn't matter if you have Down syndrome or not, your value's the same? Or is it instrumental? And if you're less of an instrumental good to a society that maybe deems that you're unfit to live, then we can kill you if that's what human value is based on. Most people are, are uncomfortable with the consequences of this. And that's the whole purpose of asking these questions. Okay, so that's a good one. Question number five has to do with killing babies who can feel the pain of dismemberment. This is a very gnarly and important question. So let's set the context. Dr. William R. White, a director of neurosurgery and brain research at Case Western University, testified before the Constitution Subcommittee on June 15, 1995. And this is what he said. The fetus within this time frame of gestation, 20 weeks and beyond, is fully capable of experiencing pain. Without a doubt, a partial birth abortion is a dreadfully painful experience for any infant because he was testifying regarding the uh, pain capable, uh, regarding banning partial birth abortions. And so he's saying at 20 weeks, it, this is an intensely painful procedure for any infant. But we know now know that babies at 13 and a half weeks will feel the pain of dismemberment. And Dr. Maureen Kondik has done research testifying that unborn children can feel pain beginning at eight weeks, having the circuitry they already need to feel pain. So regardless, the unborn child feels pain fairly early on. So here's the question for your pro-choice friend. Because unborn children can feel pain, should unborn babies scheduled for abortion be given the benefit of anesthesia to ease the pain of dismemberment? Would you support giving painkillers to unborn children before their abortion so they don't feel the pain, the pain of dismembering? <laughs> now notice again, either way they answer this is, is bad. It, it leaves consequences for their position. Saying no sounds barbaric because you're practically defending Child abuse, painful child abuse. No, I want children to feel the pain as their limbs are ripped from their body. I mean, come on. If you say you have no problem with that, you need a counselor. But if you say yes, then you're admitting that the unborn can feel pain and that it's okay to kill people as long as they can't feel it. So, as long, so if it's before they can feel pain, then you're okay with it. But that's obviously not where human value comes from. That doesn't make any sense either. So by saying, yes, I... I, I, I would give anesthesia to unborn children to ease the pain of dismemberment. You're acknowledging that they feel pain and that they're sentient and that they're human beings. And you're, you're resorting to a fake compassion that says, as long as they can't feel the pain, even though without the anesthesia, they could, as long as we numb the pain, then it's okay to kill them. So yeah, I'd give them anesthesia to ease the pain of dismemberment. That sounds barbaric too. And either answer sounds barbaric because abortion is barbaric. It's wrong to kill babies. And these questions are designed in a way to get to that truth. So we're going to move on to the next five questions. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the pro-life movement, then become a patron of the show. Head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted. 
and you can jump on for five, 10 bucks, 15 bucks a month. And we'll have perks down the line. We want to move to some interviews with people in the movement to help bless you and encourage you as you're being an advocate and voice for life. But we need your help to help crowdfund this show and reach this to more people, especially young people, Christian leaders and lay people who say they're pro-life but have never done anything about abortion. We want to get this content in front of them and inspire them to be a voice for life. Because as Greg Cunningham said, there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. And this show is designed to help get more people involved in the fight for life and for our unborn neighbors. So if you like this show, then help us produce the show better, create a one-stop shop for people like you to get encouragement, training, resources, and a little bit of humor to be a voice for life. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Unaborted. Thanks again for tuning in today for this really important topical episode on 10 questions for pro-choicers, helping equip you with resources to get on the offensive in the debate over abortion, rather than always being on the defensive and not knowing how to respond to seemingly difficult questions from pro-choice individuals. So the first five we talked about was the question from double homicide, the question from gender side, the question from how does the unborn differ from us that makes you justify killing the unborn, Down syndrome and abortion, and pain-capable unborn babies. The sixth question has to do with destructive embryonic cell research. So let's set the context, give you an example of how this has been used, and we'll follow it up with that important question. ABC News once ran a story about a woman whose father was suffering from Parkinson's disease, having heard that brain cells from aborted babies could be used to treat the disease, she sought to conceive a child for the express purpose of aborting it four months later so its body parts could be used to treat her father. Do you see anything wrong with this? That's the question. Do you see anything wrong with this? So if they say, yes, that is wrong, then again, just like all of our other examples, it only makes sense to say that's wrong if the unborn child has some moral worth. But your friend's pro-choice ideology is that they're not persons and they have no rights whatsoever. So then what's wrong with creating new human beings for the express purpose of killing them to get cells from them to use to benefit someone else? Nazis performed experiments on Jews in order to see how they reacted so they could use that knowledge to help improve their own lives. What was wrong with that if Jews weren't persons? Well, it was wrong because they were persons. That was a disgusting violation of human rights. You don't get to harm or kill others just because you think it might benefit you or someone else. So if the unborn child is a human being like you and I, then this is clearly wrong. And most people are going to say that's wrong, right? To, to, to premeditate the creation of a new human being with the express purpose of killing them to benefit your father, that's pretty, that's pretty ghoulish. That's pretty sick. But if they say, yes, that's wrong, that goes against their ideology, which is that unborn children are not persons and have no rights. But if they say, no, th that I, I, uh, no, I have no problem with this, and that's an admission that it's permissible to kill others if it benefits you or someone else. <laughs> as long as it benefits me or someone else, then it is perfectly fine to kill human beings. Either way, they look barbaric or they look intellectually inconsistent with their own position. And the, again, the idea is truth, right? The idea is to create cognitive dissonance in the minds of our pro-choice friends so they abandon their position. Okay, here's question seven. And this has to do with the irony of saving prematurely born babies that hospitals will work heroically to save if the mothers want them. Okay, so here you go. CBS News reported in May of 2019, just a few months ago, that baby Sabi, 
who was born in December of 2018 at 23 weeks and weighing just 8.6 ounces, the weight of an apple, has been released home. Born at 23 weeks. In San Diego, the San Diego hospital worked heroically to save baby Sabie's life and succeeded. So here's a question. Why should it be wrong to kill baby Sabie at 23 weeks, but okay to kill a fetus in utero at 28 weeks? Why would it be wrong to kill 23-week-old baby Sabie just born outside the womb, no longer in the womb, but perfectly fine to kill this, a, a different baby more developed and older at 28 weeks in utero, in the womb. In other words, does your location really matter to your right to life? Because that's the only difference here is, is actually the baby in utero is older than baby Sabi, but is located in the womb. Should we be able to kill that baby? Now, nobody advocates for killing a baby already born except some freaks and philosophers like Peter Singer. So every pro-choice individual you know will likely say it would be wrong to kill 23-week-old born baby Sabi. But they're going to say it would be right to kill a baby in utero because that's what their position demands, that women can have an abortion, which is the killing of an unborn baby, through all nine months of pregnancy because that's her moral and legal right. So they have admitted that, that all that matters for a right to life is your location. If you're a younger baby born, you can't be killed. But if you're an older baby unborn, then you can be killed. What lunacy? So that's a good question. Question eight has to do with how we treat dead babies. Because ironically, even members of the pro-choice community don't like mistreating the bodies of dead babies, but they support the mistreatment of a live baby. So recently, deceased abortionist Ulrich Klopfer was found to have kept over 2,200 babies that he had aborted from the early 2000s, stored in plastic bags in his garage and preserved with a biological material. Here's the question. Is there anything wrong with this? In fact, Pete Buttigieg, Democratic presidential hopeful and advocate of abortion through the day of birth, got interviewed regarding the discovery of all of these dead stored aborted children because this abortionist Ulrich Klopfer had performed abortions in South Bend, Indiana which is where Pete Buttigieg is mayor. So Pete Buttigieg got asked about this. You know what he said? He said it was, we played this on the show a few weeks ago. He said that that was disturbing and should be fully investigated and that it was wrong. Why is that wrong? They're not persons. They don't have rights. They're just blobs of tissue, right? They have no rights whatsoever. So if it's wrong to mistreat the bodies of dead children by storing them, and these babies were killed from the early 2000s, like I mentioned, then then why is it okay to mistreat the bodies of alive children through abortion, through dismemberment? So if it's wrong to mistreat the bodies of dead babies, it must surely be wrong to mistreat the bodies of alive babies through abortion because the only way Ulrich Klopfer was able to store and categorize the children he had killed was by killing them in the first place. That's clearly the more moral wrong. But if the bodies of aborted babies should be respected – then why not the bodies of alive babies by not aborting them? <laughs> so you see, if they say that there's nothing wrong with this, they kind of look like a moral monster. And nothing wrong with keeping 2,200 babies you killed from the early 2000s preserved with a biological material in your garage. Even Pete Buttigieg, advocate of abortion to the day of birth, said that was wrong. But if they say, no, uh, yes, or, or yes, this is wrong, that only makes sense 
if the unborn child has moral worth. It only makes sense that it would be wrong to store the bodies of dead children if it was also wrong to kill them in the first place. Okay, here is our question nine. And this has to do with full-term abortions, third trimester, nine-month abortions. So in January of 2019, New York legalized abortion through the day of birth. And Doe versus Bolton, Roe versus Wade's companion case, makes it clear that a woman can get an abortion at any point during the pregnancy if it's an issue of, and I quote, physical, emotional, psychological, familial, and the woman's age relevant to the well-being of the patient. All these factors relate to health. So do you believe a woman should have the moral and legal right to get an abortion in the ninth month, a day before she's due to deliver, a day before her due date? If the answer is yes, they look like a moral monster. In fact, Gallup poll last year reported that only 13% of the American public supported the legality of third trimester abortions. So it is a very small percentage of the American public that would support that abortion right there. Do you have any problem with that? And if, oh, I'm sorry, if they say no, then they look like a moral monster, right? I have no problem with a fully developed nine-month baby being killed. But if they say, yes, I have a problem with that, then simply ask why not? Or why? Why do you have a problem with that? Does the nine-month unborn baby have moral worth? That would be the only reason it would make sense to say you have a problem with nine-month abortions, is if the baby has worth. If the nine-month baby has worth, when did that worth begin? At what point was it wrong to kill the third trimester baby? Was it right when the second trimester ended and right when the third trimester began? By the way, trimesters are not even a thing, right? It's not actually an objective reality. They, they were timelines that we came up with in order to make sense of laws on abortion. It's the same baby. And there's, there's nothing about a baby that means it's in a certain trimester. Those are, that's what we came up with to make sense of abortion laws. So at what point does that baby have moral worth? You don't want to kill it the day before it's due. Okay, when was it okay to kill it? The week before it's due? Two weeks before it was due? Three weeks before it was due? Just go back and back and back. Again, if your friend says, yes, there's something wrong with that, ask them why and ask them when it would have been okay to kill them. Any, at any point when they say, okay, it, it's okay to kill them at this point, but not after, will be an arbitrary false line that has no basis in reality because human beings don't have value in virtue of their level of development, but in virtue of their human nature, which we all had from the moment of conception. And most people don't like the idea of nine-month abortion. So this is a good question as well. Here's the 10th and final question. And this has to do with racially motivated abortions or racially motivated donations for abortions. So here's our context. Planned Parenthood has repeatedly okay, and excitedly accepted donations earmarked specifically for aborting black babies by callers who stated, quote, there are too many black kids. They were saying why they wanted to give the donation. Now, this was an undercover expose by live action, but the Planned Parenthood people didn't know that. They said, I don't want my kids to face struggles with affirmative action, so I want less black people. They said, the less black people, the better. This is what people posing as donors to Planned Parenthood said. And they said, if I give you money, can you earmark it to kill a black baby? Planned Parenthood was excited, overjoyed to accept this money. And so we'll play you this short clip because I want you to see exactly what we're talking about. Good afternoon, this is Autumn. Hello, Autumn. I'm, I'm interested in making a donation today. Fantastic. What about abortions for the underprivileged minority groups? I want to specify that abortion to help our minority group. Would that be possible? Or like the black community, for example? Certainly. Okay. So, so the abortion could, could be, you know, I could give money specifically for a black baby. That would be the purpose. 
Yes, absolutely. Um, if you wanted to designate that you wanted your gift to be used to help an African-American woman in need, um, then we would certainly uh, make sure that that gift was earmarked specifically for that purpose. Great, because I really face trouble with affirmative action, and I don't want my kids being disadvantaged, you know, against um, black kids. I just had a baby. I want to put it in his name, you know. Mm -hmm. um, you know so that's, that's definitely yeah. possible. Oh, always, always. And we just think, you know, the, the less the less black kids out there, the better. <laughs> understandable, understandable. All right. Um, excuse my hesitation. I'm, I'm. This is the first time I've had a donor call and ask, make this kind of request. Sure. So I'm excited, and I'm, I want to make sure I don't leave anything out. So is there anything wrong with using abortion as a tool of racism, fulfilling Margaret Sanger's dream? Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood, was a racist and eugenicist. And I just showed you that Planned Parenthood was perfectly willing to accept money from individuals who wanted to specifically target and kill black people. So there's the question, is there anything wrong with using abortions as a tool of racism fulfilling Margaret Sanger's dream to weed out those that she deemed as unfit, which are black. So if they say, no, I have no problem with using abortion as a tool of racism, then they look like a racist. You basically just told me you're a racist if you say that. I have no problems using abortion as a tool of racism. But if you say, yes, obviously I have a problem with that. Again, it only makes sense to have a problem with that if the unborn child has moral worth that should be respected. So you'll notice how all of these questions are intended to get at the truth. They're intended to create cognitive dissonance in the minds of your pro-choice friends and make it, make it impossible for them to continue holding their view because you want them to hate the consequences of their position so much that they will finally, they'll finally humble themselves and say, I've been wrong. I'm changing my position. That's what the goal of these questions are. So listen to this again. Okay, listen to these questions again. Share it with your friends. Hopefully you took out your notepad. Write these questions down and begin to use these in conversations with people in your life. Ask them gently, ask them respectfully, but ask them pointedly because these are very important questions. Well, thanks for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes and YouTube and give this show a review and rating so we can reach more people. That really helps us climb the rankings and ratings so more people will watch this show. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com for my speaking schedule, my training videos, and to jump on my newsletter. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. <laughs>